That's exciting for us. Now, um, if you're new with us, today we are in part two of a series called New Name. And in this series, we're exploring this unique thing that God does a handful of times in scripture. So there's a few times that God comes along and actually changes someone's name. That name change was a big deal for them. It changed their identity. It changed how they viewed themselves. It changed how other people viewed them. It changed their future. It changed their legacy. It radically changed everything for them. So we're exploring some of these name changes to learn the significance of those changes and how they can apply to our lives as well. Because here's what I believe. I believe that God is still in the name changing, identity changing, reputation changing, future changing business. So that's what we're trying to learn in this series. And if you weren't with us last week, here's the bottom line thought of this entire series. So it's the main idea of this series that we're trying to learn. We're trying to to comb through all series long and have God apply to our lives. So the bottom line thought is this. We aren't the names that other people call us. We are the name that God calls us. So we aren't the names other people call us. And I'm sure in your life, you've been called all kinds of names. We aren't those names. We are the name that God calls us. And we're going to see that in a real powerful way today. Now, as we begin, I'm curious, how many of you have a nickname? Who has a nickname? Okay, some of you have a nickname. If you have a nickname, please share your nickname out loud with us. Little? Little? Is that what I heard? Little? Okay. What was that? Jojo? Great. Who else? Weasel. Weasel? Uh, yeah, don't ask. That one's got an interesting story behind it, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Cam. Cam. Love that name. It's a great name. All right. So uh, many of us have had a nickname at some point in our lives. I have a, a family nickname that I'm not excited about. You know, it, it kind of fits in the category of maybe Weasel uh, over here. So I didn't love this nickname that I got when I was in the third grade. It is stuck with me. It's a family nickname that stuck with me from the third grade. Don't love it. Um, and I ask, please don't tell anybody else about this. Okay. So let's just keep this between us. So when I was in the third grade, my mom bought me a pair of new jeans that she wanted me to try on. Back then, I was sporting me some Huskies. Okay, and Huskies, if you know Huskies, like they are durable jeans. They are so durable. I think there's a third grader somewhere in the world today wearing those jeans. They're that durable. So uh, my mom bought me these jeans and, and sent me into the room to try them on. And I tried them on. And here's what I found out when I tried them on, that from the waist to the crotch, they were really long. The crotch came down halfway down my thigh. So when I was wearing them, I was walking like a penguin. And you know, that's a style today. It wasn't a style back then. And I, I didn't love that. So I came out, my mom says, how do you like your jeans? I said, I don't like them. She says, why? I said, the crux is too long. I was looking for the word crotch, but my little third grade brain, third grade brain couldn't find it. And so out of my mouth came the word crux crux stuck. My family has called me crux for over 40 years. <laughs> Terrible name. Like, like who wants to be called crux? Like who wants to be called weasel? Like, like that, that's a terrible nickname. You know, I'm thinking like, why not Thor or, you know, like Wolverine or, you know, guy who's going to grow up to be this strong, bald guy or something, you know, like that. But like, why 
that nickname. Now here's the connection for today's message. The guy we're gonna learn about today had a bad nickname. His nickname came from his real name. And he didn't like his name. He didn't like, like what was happening in that even though he lived up to his name. And yet God comes along and he changes his name. He changes his identity, he changes his future. He changes his name to a name that all of us know. We all know this name, but we don't know the story behind the name change. We don't know where it came from, but we're gonna learn that today together. Now, the amazing thing about this guy's story is that it shatters one of the wrong thoughts that many of us have about God. You know, often like we have this idea about the people God cares about, the people God uses, the people God wants to be in a relationship with. Sometimes we think, oh, that's just the religious people or that's just the smart people or that's just the wealthy people or whatever, fill in the blank for you. You might have an idea of what you think that God wants to be in a relationship with somebody around who God really cares about. And yet today's story is gonna shatter that. And we're gonna understand that God cares wants to be in a relationship with everyone, especially people who have checkered pasts, especially people who are far from him. And so if you're new to faith, if you're exploring faith, if you're wrestling with faith, I encourage you to pay close attention to what God does today in this story. So the guy we're gonna learn about, his name is Jacob. And his story can be found in Genesis chapter 25 all the way to Genesis chapter 50. So hopefully you're feeling comfortable in our uncomfortable seats because we got about 25 chapters of the Bible to cover this morning. And I am not going to read all of them. I'm going to read portions of it and I'll, I'll summarize other portions of it. And uh, we'll get to his name change here in just a minute. But here's what you need to know about Jacob, especially if you weren't with us last week. So Jacob is the grandson of the guy we learned about last week. Who did we learn about last week? Abraham. Abraham. And we learned that God came along and changed Abraham and Sarah's names. And we learned that they couldn't have children and God promised to give them children, give them a child, and then to give them many descendants. God kept that promise through giving them Isaac. So Isaac was their son. Isaac grew up, he married Rebecca. They had twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Now, Esau's name means hairy. So how would you like that as, as your name? And um, the Bible tells us that uh, when Esau was born, he was a hairy baby. So apparently, the first thing that comes out of their, their minds is, he's hairy, let's call him Harry. And that translated into Hebrew for Esau. Now, Jacob's name sounds like the Hebrew words for heel and deceiver. Which one's better? Like, hey, what's your name mean? Uh, I'm a heel. Or I want to steal your money. So not great names. And apparently all the great baby names were taken that year. So they get stuck with hairy boy and deceiver. And it's not clear in scripture whether Jacob was born with this deceiver gene in him, that that was kind of his bent in life, that was gonna be the thing that he did, or if he learned how to be deceptive from other people, we'll actually hear a little bit more about that today, or if he decided just to live up to his name. You know, sometimes that happens. You know, we, we get this reputation, somebody kind of labels us a certain way, we just kind of live up to that, so we're not exactly sure for Jacob what was happening there, but he became known as a deceiver. Here's a couple examples of that. 
Genesis chapter 25, verse 27 says, as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. It's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Dad loved one boy, mom loved another. And maybe you've experienced that in your life. Maybe you come from a family of multiple siblings and possibly you experienced that. And there was, there was a, a family member that was loved more than other family members or one parent you know, leaned towards one child and another parent leaned towards another child or, or you grew up in a blended family unit and you experienced some of that. That created a lot of dysfunction uh, in this family creates a lot of dysfunction today. And I think that, that it led possibly into some of the dysfunction that Jacob experienced in his life. Verse 29 says, one day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all of his rights as the firstborn son to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal. Then he got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn son. Now, let me explain this firstborn, this, this birthright thing that was going on. So in that culture, firstborn sons were given the overall leadership of the family. So if you can imagine that maybe you own a family business, you own a business and everybody in your family works for you and you're getting older and you know you need to hand off the leadership of your business to somebody else in the family. And let's say you hand it off to your oldest child and then everybody else in the family then works for your oldest child. That would be the context of this birthright thing. In addition to that, firstborn sons were entitled to a double portion of the inheritance. So whatever was decided amongst the children for an inheritance, the firstborn son would get double, get a bigger portion. So that would be what was coming to Esau. But Esau, remember, he sold that to his brother Jacob. Now, I wouldn't call Jacob's actions here deceptive. I would call them manipulative. So it's not all that deceptive at this point, but here's where the deception comes in. Genesis 27 tells us that when Isaac was old and going blind, he knew he was about to die and he wanted to pass on a blessing to Esau. So he calls Esau over and says, Esau, basically, I'm about to die. So I want you to go out. I want you to go hunting. I want you to kill some wild game. I want you to bring it home, prepare my favorite meal. And then I'm going to pronounce a blessing over you. And this blessing was a big deal. It was an even bigger deal than the birthright thing. Because along came with this blessing were some prophetic words about his future. And in biblical lineage, when a dad pronounced a blessing over a child, that blessing became true. So again, in, in a lot of respects, this was a bigger deal than the birthright thing. So Esau, he's excited. He grabs his camo. He grabs his hunting gear. He heads off into the woods to, to go bag dinner and bring it back. But mom's listening. Remember, 
who mom loves better. She loves Jacob. So she goes and tells Jacob, hey, this is what's about to happen. Your dad is about to pronounce a blessing over your brother, and it's significant. And so she concocts a a plan, a strategy for Jacob to steal this blessing from his brother. So who did Jacob learn to be deceptive from? Let's see, mom. His dad, when you read uh, through Genesis, you find out his dad has some deception problems. We found out last week his grandfather had some deception problems. So it's like a family thing that they're all gathered around. So Rebecca made Isaac's favorite meal. She put some of Esau's clothes on Jacob so he would smell like Esau. She took some goat hair and she put it on his arms and around his neck. Remember, uh, Esau is hairy. And Jacob's going like, hey, there's no way dad's going to believe that I am Esau. Like, my skin is smooth and his is rough. And she, she says, I've got a plan for that. And so she prepares him, makes this meal, sends him in. Uh, Isaac is not convinced. He he's, he's can't quite see. And so he's looking. He's like, you kind of look like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. And Jacob keeps saying, no, it really is me, Esau, your son. And finally, Isaac says, come here, come closer. He gets closer. He smells Esau's clothes and he's convinced. And Genesis 27, 27 says, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. Anybody like the smell of the outdoors? I do. There's only a few hands that went up there. I love the smell of the outdoors. After a fresh cut grass, I'm still trying to figure out how to bottle that and make that a cologne. Like, I just think that is amazing. I love the smell of the, the pine trees and pine needles. I mean, I just love the smell of the outdoors. Isaac loved that. And so he's convinced, and he pronounces this amazing blessing over Jacob, thinking it's Esau. He says, from the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and, and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. Sounds very similar uh, to the covenant promise that God gave Abraham that we learned about last week. This is amazing blessing, but it wasn't meant for Jacob. It was meant for Esau. So Jacob takes his blessing, and he runs out the tent door and uh, almost bumps into Esau. Esau runs in. He's got this meal prepared. He's, he's gone and killed this wild game. He's prepared the meal. He runs into his dad and says, Dad, I'm here. I'm ready for my blessing. And Isaac freaks out. He's like, who did I just give this blessing to? And they find out that Jacob had stolen Esau's blessing. Esau was furious, and he decides, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill my brother. I can't believe my brother has deceived me, has manipulated me twice and his life is about to be over. So mom steps in. Mom uh, was a helicopter parent. Apparently she was very close to uh, everything that happened in her kid's world. And so she steps into the rescue, tells Jacob, you got to run away or you're going to die. So Jacob runs away. And I'm going to condense this story so we can get to the name change. But Jacob runs away. He falls in love. He gets married to four different women. I don't know that love was involved in all those stories. It actually wasn't involved in all those stories. Had 11 boys. He became very wealthy. And God is fulfilling 
this amazing promise, this amazing blessing that he received from his dad. But then God shows up and he says something very alarming to Jacob. He says, I want you to go home. Now, who's at home? His angry brother is at home. And Jacob is thinking, I can't go home. I know it's been years since I've been home, but I can't go home because my brother has not forgotten what I've done. He'll never forget what I've done. And that's an interesting thing about family dynamics is sometimes we have a hard time forgetting those things that were done to us when we were younger in our family dynamics. Right now, possibly, if something was done to you by another family member or something was said to you that kind of marked you, that defined you years and years ago, you might still remember that right now. You might remember it like it happened yesterday. Sometimes we have a hard time forgetting those things. And so Jacob is thinking that. He's thinking Esau is not going to forget this. And so Genesis 32 verse 3 says, Then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. He told them, Give this message to my master Esau. Notice his language. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now, I've been living with Uncle Laban, and now I own cattle and donkeys and uh, flocks of sheep and goats and many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. Verse 6 says, after delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported this. We met your brother Esau, and he's already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. So Jacob was terrified at the news, so he divided his household among, uh, along with the flocks and herds and camel into two groups. He thought, if Esau meets one group and attacks it, perhaps the other group can escape. So this does not sound good. Uh, Esau's coming. He's got 400 of his warriors with him. I mean, it looks like the end is near for Jacob and his family. And Jacob does what many of us do when we've done everything else that we know to do. And there's nothing left. Even people who don't believe in God do this. What did he do, do you think? He prayed. He prayed. You know, sometimes when we do everything that we can to manipulate a situation, the last thing we think about is prayer. And I'll admit, there are moments in my life that I do that. Sometimes like I work something over as, as best I can. I try to analyze it and, and uh, fix it and control it with all the strength that I have. And I get to the end of that and I go, none of that's working. Oh yeah, maybe I should pray. That should not be the last thing we do. That should be the first thing we do. But Jacob prays. He prays this, you promised prayer. So he has this conversation with God and he says, God, you promised. Like you promised to bless me. You promised to take care of me. And you have done some of that, but now you're sending me to my brother. He's gonna kill me. God, you promised. Did I remind you, God, you promised? You promised to take care of me. He's in a desperate spot. And then the strangest thing in scripture happens. Verse 22 of Genesis 32 says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with him. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. Then Jacob was left all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. This seems like watching a terrible B-rated movie, you know, like a, a, a movie with this horrible script. Like, who's this guy? Like, we're not introduced to him, and why are they wrestling? Like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And verse 25, 
explains. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. We're getting back to the importance of a blessing. What's your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Verse 30 says, Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. That is one crazy and yet powerful story. And if you've ever wondered, like, how is it possible for a human being to actually wrestle with God? Well, this is known in scripture as a Christophany. This is an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament part of the Bible before we know him as Jesus. We call this the pre-incarnate Jesus. Before, again, he took on flesh in the context of how we know him as Jesus. That happens several times throughout the Old Testament, but this is unique because God shows up like Hulk Hogan ready for a WWF wrestling match. Like, this is unique. This is strange. This is weird. Any WWF fans? Yes. All right, we have a few. So that's kind of the context of what's happening here. It's a little bit weird, um, but let, let's try to unpack this. So first, we have Jacob in a desperate place. If God doesn't show up, most likely his life is over. And I'm curious, has anyone ever been in a desperate place in your life? And I don't mean in a needy place. I mean in a desperate place where if God doesn't show up, like you don't know what you're going to do next. I'm sure many of us have been in a spot like that. And I know that my family and I, my wife and I have been in a spot like that. Over 14 years ago, my wife came down with a chronic illness that sent us to a desperate place, sent us to many desperate places. Uh, it took a long time for us to figure out what was going on with Tammy, but she went like overnight from being healthy and active to walking with a cane, experiencing intense pain, not being able to get out of bed on many occasions. And she's much better now, um, but back in those early days of this journey that we have been on, they were very desperate moments. And, and there were many moments that, that we prayed prayers like Jacob did, where we were in this, these desperate moments of wrestling with God. We were wrestling in our prayers with what it means to have faith in God. We were wrestling with what it means to believe in God and, and believe in his goodness for us, that he has a good plan for our lives. We wrestled with God on many different levels uh, as we were walking through those desperate moments. And one of the things that I've learned as I've grown a little bit older is that we all wrestle with God. We all do. Even people who don't believe in God wrestle with him. We wrestle with God's existence. We wrestle with God's goodness. We wrestle with whether God has a plan for us and whether that plan is a good plan. We all wrestle with God over many different subjects. And maybe right now you're wrestling with God. If you are, Here's what you need to know about wrestling with God and some things that we can learn from Jacob. So what Jacob knew was that 
he was holding on to the only being who could help him in his desperate situation. He knew he had God somehow in the flesh, like he knew this. And so he held on with all he was worth. And the alternative for letting go was death, like a real death that, that he most likely would experience, but not even having his hip wrenched out of socket was going to cause him to let go. Just like, let that sink in for just a moment. If your hip was wrenched out of socket, would you let go of whatever you were holding on to, to hold on to your hip? I would, but Jacob didn't. Jacob held on tightly to the one that he knew who could help him. And God noticed his determination. As a result, God gave him a new name gave him a new blessing. So he went from being called deceiver to being called Israel. Israel can be translated as God fights. Or if you read the New Living Translation, it can be translated as the one who fought with God, the one who wrestled with God, and won. Like, can you imagine having that as your new nickname? Imagine you know, being in high school and getting your letterman's jacket and, and labeled across the back is the guy or the girl who fought with God and won. Like That's a way better nickname than deceiver or crux. Way better than that. So Jacob went from deceiver to fully dependent on God. And God changed his name. God changed his identity. God changed his reputation. God changed his future. God changed his legacy. If you're uh, curious about the name of Israel, the nation of Israel, where it got its name from, got its name from this encounter. When God changed Jacob's name to Israel, then Israel's descendants became known as the people of Israel. Just interesting to be able to understand that stuff. There's a, there's a story behind these name changes. And these stories are powerful. And I think for us, the power comes that, that when we wrestle with God, we have to do what Jacob did. We have to hold tightly to him. He's the only one that, who can help us through our difficult situations. If we let go of him, the alternative is death. It could be a physical death. It could be a relationship death. It could be a, an emotional death, a spiritual death. There, there's, there's death that lies beyond us holding tightly to God. We have to hold tightly to God because he is our only hope. And I think that's why sometimes God allows difficulty in our lives because it's in those moments that we hold more tightly to him than ever before. We pursue him in those moments sometimes like we've never pursued God before. And here's what our prayers can sound like when we're in those desperate moments and we're wrestling with God and we're holding on to him for all we're worth. They can sound like this. God, I don't know why you're allowing this thing in my life right now, but I'm not letting go of you. I'm not gonna pull away from you. I'm not gonna stop praying. I'm not gonna stop reading the Bible. I'm not gonna stop going to church. I'm not gonna assume that you don't care about me. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm gonna keep reading. I'm gonna keep trusting. I'm gonna keep believing. I'm gonna keep expecting that you are gonna do something great in me. God, I'm not letting go go. I think when God sees that kind of determination in our lives, I think God will bless us with a new name, a new identity, a new reputation, a new future. Several of the things that, that God taught Tammy and I as we were wrestling through those desperate moments with her health issues uh, were this. Number one, God strengthened our faith in him. 
And it's amazing to kind of think back through that journey because, again, there were many nights, over two and a half years, where we had no diagnosis. We had nothing. Um, The medical community was not helping us at all. Every doctor we saw said, we don't know what you have. Not sure what to tell you. Good luck. We walked away from many doctor appointments, having our hopes crashed in front of us. And we got to the spot where all we had was each other and our desperate prayers and God. That's all we had. And in those moments, somehow, God grew our faith. God communicated his love to us. God said, I'm here. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to show you. And in hindsight, we see that so well. But in the moment, it was a struggle. But God strengthened our faith in those very challenging moments. He also strengthened our relationship as a married couple. He strengthened our family. Our family rallied around this desperate moment that we were in. And my wife and I rallied around each other in some new ways that we hadn't done before. Another thing that God did in us was that he used this this physical illness that he paused or, or wasn't going to heal for a period of time because he wanted to do something deeper in us. There were some deeper issues inside of us that needed to be addressed. There were some fear issues that needed to be addressed, some confidence in God that needed to be addressed. There was some healing internally that needed to be done that I'm convinced it probably wouldn't have been done if God would have showed up and and just healed Tammy in a moment. There's work that, that we wouldn't have allowed God to do if we wouldn't have just held tightly to him in those difficult moments. So God did some great things, and God continues to do some great things. And I think God can do those kind of great things and more in all of us. So today, maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and maybe you have been known as a deceiver. Maybe you have this checkered past that you'd love to get away from. Maybe you've been known as a deceiver or a promise breaker or a cheater or a quitter or an addict or an eternal skeptic. Maybe you want to get away from that and you're not quite sure how. I think we we can learn from Jacob today. I think Jacob would tell us, cling tightly to God. Refuse to let go of him and God will change your name. He'll change your reputation. He'll change your future. We can become known as people with rock solid faith. We can become known as promise makers and promise keepers instead of promise breakers. We can be addiction defeaters. We truly can have our names changed, our identity changed, our future changed as we hold tightly to God. So remember what our bottom line thought is. Our bottom line thought, again, is we aren't the names that other people call us, but we are the name that God calls us. And I'm convinced God wants to give out some new names today. God wants to change some of our names and our identities and our futures. And so if you're a person who's, who's like wrestling with your past, trying to get away from that, I truly believe God wants to change that for you. And he can change that today. Or maybe you're someone who's going through a, a difficulty right now. Like you're going through something that has got you desperate. Like, Maybe the medical community is not helping you. 
Maybe there's some financial thing that you're going through and you don't feel like you're getting any help there. Maybe there's some job issue. Maybe there's some family issue. Like, I don't know what issue may be going on in your life, but maybe you're going through something that has you desperate. I want to encourage you today, don't turn away from God. Don't let go of him. Cling tightly to him. Keep praying, keep reading, keep trusting, keep believing, keep expecting that God is going to work. Keep wrestling with him because he's the only one who can see you through that difficult moment that you're walking through. We're going to draw from some great encouragement from the author of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. He says this, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Some of you, I'm sure, are tired. Uh, You've been wrestling with God or wrestling with this issue for so long you've become tired. And the encouragement that we get this morning is don't give up, don't quit. Take a new grip. Strengthen yourself as you wrestle with God. Your blessing might be a day away, might be a week away, might be a month away, but never forget that you're holding on to, if you're holding on to God, you're holding on to the only one who can give you that blessing the only one who can give you that new name and change your circumstances forever. So don't let go of him. As we close, our worship team is gonna guide us through a song called I Am. And as we sing this song, I encourage you to use this song as an opportunity to pray. And uh, maybe it's a desperate prayer that you're singing today. And you just need to tell God again where you're at. If so, tell him. Tell him what you're feeling. Tell him what you're going through. He knows it. He he knows exactly what's going on in your world. And he wants to help. He wants you to cling tightly to him. And as you sing this song, like maybe you'll recognize that as you're holding on to God, maybe the one who's holding on to you is God himself. Maybe God's holding on to you more than you're holding on to him. And I encourage you during this song to decide one thing that you can keep doing to cling tightly to God. So what's one thing that you can do this week and this month as you continue to wrestle with God and hold tightly to him? Decide that one thing during this song and then just keep doing that thing over and over and over again. Let God see your determination to never let go of him. If you need prayer this morning, Uh, If this conversation has stirred anything in you that you need prayer, you need a conversation, I'll be out in our lobby. I encourage you to stop by our care center. We've got some amazing people over there. Some of our other pastors will be out in the lobby as well. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to help you in any way that we can. So if you need that, please, please um, take advantage of that. And then even during this closing song, if you need prayer like right now, as we start singing in just a moment, feel free to head over to our care center. We've got some people there that would love to, to pray with you this morning. So just remember how much God loves you. Remember, you aren't the names that other people call you. You are the name that God calls you. If you're watching online and you need prayer today, I encourage you to email us at prayer at theepicchurch.com and we would love to pray with you, get you on our prayer list. We'll have our elders and our prayer team be praying for you this week. So let's pray together and then we'll stand and sing. God, I'm so incredibly grateful for the lesson that we've learned today from Jacob's life. 
Lord, that it shatters this whole idea that many of us have that, that you only use certain people, that there's a whole bunch of people that you don't use if we're not perfect enough, if we have a checkered past, that, that you're not gonna, gonna use us. And yet, God, we see today through Jacob's story that, that you pursued him. You changed his identity. You changed his future. You changed his legacy. You changed everything about him, and you can still do that today. Lord, I believe today you want to change someone's name. You want to change someone's circumstance. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today on campus or on, online who's wrestling with a past that they want to get away from, but they're not sure how to get away from that. Lord, you can change that for them. And the answer is them holding tightly to you for that. Lord, or maybe there's a desperate situation that someone is going through, and they're not sure how to make it through the situation. They feel like everything's been taken away from them. That could help. God, we're reminded today you're, you're the only one who can help. So Lord, may we determine in this moment to never let go of you and understand that you are always holding on to us. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen.